0: Our first reading is from the Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig tree leaves together and made themselves lying cloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. As you are able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
1: Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. Good evening, if we haven't met yet, I'm Pastor Jason. I'm happy to be here with you this evening. We're gonna play a little bit of a game of would you rather, pretty quick. First question, would you rather have a first time surgeon or one who has done this a thousand times? Somebody has to go first, right? But most of us would pick more than once. Would you rather have a rookie taking the game-winning shot or the veteran who's been there before? Yeah, exactly. Would you rather have a brand-new colonel? If you're in the military unit, you want to be led by the brand-new colonel or one who's been trained and been tested? That's right, three for three back there. We all, we all applaud the one hit wonder. We love to root for the Cinderella story. We love to rally around the underdog, but when push comes to shove, when it's crunch time, we all want someone who is battle tested. And more specifically, we want someone who stands strong in that battle, who tested, who was tested in battle and won what we long for is the one who will not crumble under the spotlight or be found with skeletons in their closet the one who will not be forced to write uh, issue apologies or resign in disgrace we live through that sort of thing over and over and over again and what happens every time foundations are shaken trust erodes you know this, you've felt it, and you've experienced it. Whether you were the cheated one or you did the cheating, whether you were wronged or you were the one doing the wrong, you've felt it because it's not just capital L leaders who fall victim to this. It touches each one of us. And at one time or another, we find ourselves on both sides of it. And this is the point where I want to emphasize, put your eyes on me for this part. I want to emphasize this. Being tempted is not sinful. Being tempted is not sinful. Facing temptation whatever it might be, even if it's ugly or or weird or embarrassing to talk about is not a sin. It doesn't mean your faith is weak. It doesn't mean anything about you if you face temptation other than as Paul says, you're experiencing something that's common to all of us. It happens. Jesus is with you and he loves you deeply. Facing temptation is not sinful. Giving in to temptation is where the problem comes, and all too often, we give in. You've experienced that, too, from both sides. From either vantage point, you see how confidence is shattered and stability vanishes when those that we look to for guidance and leadership, those we look to to stand strong in the battle against temptation, instead prove to be weak. With that in mind, let's enter into our gospel reading for today, where we're being invited to witness a battle. Jesus has come from a a mountaintop moment, his baptism to fulfill all righteousness. This is good and right and everything God had in mind, and God affirms that by speaking directly to him. It's an incredible moment of, of spiritual high, but now here he is in the desert. Isn't that always how it goes? When you're at your best, the devil is up to his worst. And when things are going well, he comes at you the hardest. It's not just you. It was like that for Jesus too. And Matthew says a fascinating thing. He says, Jesus was led to the desert, led to temptation, led to this by the Holy Spirit. Will the Holy Spirit bring you to temptation as the temptation you're facing right now, the work of the Spirit? I'll be honest, I don't know. Jesus encourages us to pray, don't lead us into temptation. And why would he encourage us to pray that unless it was a possibility? But at the same time, James says, God tempts no one. If you find yourself being tempted, I would say to you, how you got there isn't so important. The important thing is don't give in. Jesus is beside you to strengthen you against it. And as your pastor, I want to be there with you too, if that's useful. I know Pastor Max would say the same thing. In any case, Jesus is there in the desert being tempted. Jesus has entered into a fight, not a fair fight. Jesus is God incarnate after all that is God in human form. And the devil is not that he is a created being and a fallen one at that only that human form of Jesus is willing setting aside of, of his godly majesty. That's the only thing that comes close to leveling the playing field with the devil He's in the desert preparing for a fight, and before that, he's fasting. And don't misunderstand that, that bit about fasting. It's not to weaken him. It's not tying one hand behind his back for sports. Fasting is doing the same thing for Jesus that it can do for you and me. It's focusing his attention, making him more attuned to God, to help him prepare for whatever might come. And we know what comes. The devil comes at him with a series of temptations, offers and and goadings and and twisted words and temptations that are so similar to the way he comes at so many of us. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, Jesus is hungry, right? If you've not eaten for 40 days, you're hungry. (laughs) But eating is not the issue. (laughs) Food is not the issue. In fact, Jesus Jesus makes food where there isn't any at least four times. God rained it down from the sky for his people in the desert. He could have made something to eat. But the question is a bigger one. How are you going to use your power? Will you turn aside from the plan? Are you going to serve others or yourself? That's the first temptation. Then the second one from the, the pinnacle of the temple, the highest point of the highest place. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands it will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. That's from Psalm 91. But here's an interesting thing. Satan leaves a line out. The full verse says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. He leaves that phrase out either because he just doesn't know scripture very well or because he's trying to obscure the promises of God, much like he does for you in your life when he comes at you with temptations. Then the final attempt, the third one, almost it has the feel of a last-ditch effort. All the kingdoms of the world, he says, I'll give you if you will fall down and worship me. And all the kingdoms of the world are his anyway. In the end, they belong to Jesus anyway. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess and everything will be, will be put under his feet. And that's why it feels like a, like a feeble last effort. But the goal, the devil's goal in that is, is to take the shortcut, to go off script, to deny who, deny who you are, he says, and who the father is. And I want you to notice something here in all three of these temptations. I want you to notice twice now the devil is led with, if you are the son of God, he's led with that, that not question, but suggestion. If you are the son of God, to introduce doubt or, or call that into question. And now he just outright tries to get Jesus to renounce that title. Three times Jesus answers him, but not once. Not once does he ever address the son of God question. Not once does he ever attempt to defend that. Because who he is, is never in doubt. Even as the devil comes against him again and again and again, who he is is never in doubt. And now, brothers and sisters, realize this. God has called you his son, his daughter. That identity was given to you in baptism. And come what may, whatever the devil may do to you or bring against you, whatever uh, trap you might fall into or how badly you might mess up, who you are is never in doubt. You are always the Son of God, the daughter of God. Three times Jesus is tempted, and three times he re- withstands and resists the devil's attack until finally the devil leaves him. You get the sense that it, it isn't his first confrontation and it won't be his last. There's, there's more to come. You might think the next part of this sermon, as we finish up, is, is get battle tested for the fight against the devil. But it isn't. I could do that. I could give you five principles or or three strategies. But the reality is, you can't do it. I could give you a hundred strategies, and still you couldn't manage it. Neither can I. Just as the fight between Jesus and the devil wasn't a fair fight, neither is the fight between you and the devil. If you fight this alone, if you think you can handle it, he will win. You need a champion to fight for you. As much as we all love the underdog and the Cinderella story, in this case, you are that underdog. What you need is a battle-tested champion. And good news, you have won. Jesus comes to fight for you. And what he shows without a doubt in this tangle with the devil is that he comes already victorious over all temptation and over the one who inflicts it on you. Jesus comes already victorious. And some might be saying if he's, if it's already, if he's already victorious, if he can't fail, then what good is the victory? Here's why it's good. Because Jesus stands strong without fear of failure, his promise is rock solid and his promise is for you. That promise is that you have been forgiven and redeemed, that he will be with you every day when those same temptations wash over you. The promise that there's a place waiting for you at the end of all this and that guarantee is solid. Because Jesus stood strong, that guarantee, that promise that he makes you is rock solid. Even in the moment of greatest defeat, The promise was not shaken, but solidified. On the cross, he overcame, and and he rose triumphantly out of the grave. He has been through this battle, and he he comes out on the other side unscathed and unblemished. Jesus is a champion you can believe in. In his name, amen.